The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should consider obtaining independent advice before making any financial decisions. G'day, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perro Columns for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers Podcast. Today we're catching up with Paul Lloyd. Paul is Managing Director of Hawkstone Mining. He trades under the code HWK and was last quoted at 0.4 cents, giving the company a market cap of about 4 million. That's not a lot in anyone's language. It means Hawkstone is the type of stock we like to follow here at Stockhead. That is, one with a small cap but with leverage to become something much bigger with some hard work and a bit of luck thrown in. Now most will know Hawkstone has been busy working away at the Big Sandy Lithium Project, which is about a two and a half hour drive northwest of Phoenix in Arizona. But it's just recently added a high grade historic gold project to its uh, portfolio. And that was with the acquisition of the Lone Pine Project in Idaho, which I guess kind of continues a made in America thematic from the company. More on all that in a moment, but first up, I'm going to say good day to Paul and welcome him to the podcast. Good day, Paul. Hello, Barry. How are you today? Good, mate. Uh, Paul, uh, I think it would be a good idea if we could just start out with perhaps uh, telling the uh, listeners a bit about your professional background ahead of joining Hawkstone. Yes, uh, I'm a chartered accountant by background and uh, worked 10 years in the uh, mineral drilling industry. And uh, being a Perth boy, you tend to work in resources and uh, got to know a lot of geologists, etc., particularly through the drilling industry, and then started uh, acquiring some projects and doing some IPOs and RTOs of, of various assets. And uh, I floated Beacon Minerals back in 2006 and uh, have been responsible for a number of, uh, of IPOs since then. And um, more recently, I've been sourcing projects out of the US. So the Big Sandy project that you talked about, the, uh, the lithium sedimentary project in Arizona, I picked that project up about five years prior, five years ago privately, and we raised some funds and then put it into Hawkstone about two years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's been a, a big success for Hawkstone. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, uh... Now you've added to the portfolio with the Lone Pine in Idaho. A lot of success in the Australian market recently, of course, with um, people revisiting old mines, uh, particularly high-grade ones, some exploration success, and then getting a major uh, market re-rate on the back of it. Why uh, Lone Pine, and what can you tell us about the project? Well, we've been working in the US for about 15 years, and we've picked up a lot of contacts. So they do send us projects to look at on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. And uh, this project came through, and most of the projects get rejected fairly quickly because of the scale of the uh, old workings on the project and um, not something that a public company would be interested in. This one in particular uh, was uh, exciting to Greg Smith, our exploration manager, and uh, he was responsible for the Moto Gold Mines discovery in the DRC with 22 million ounces. So he does know gold and he liked this project and he said, mm. chase it up. Mm. And uh, he's the technical guy and I'm the bloke who chases these projects up. Mm-hmm. So I chased up the Lone Pine project, expecting due diligence to come through with a, a fatal flaw. And uh, it didn't come through with a fatal flaw. And when you can buy 
a non-compliant job resource of 71,000 ounces at 18 grams per tonne for half a million US dollars, it, uh, it does seem to be unbelievable, but uh, it's a fact and we are planning to drill that project in Q2. Mm-hmm. A number of shareholders have been asking me, you know, how can this project be so good? But if you look at the US market, it is dominated by players, large players in the gold space. So the smaller projects are not of interest to those larger players and uh, they haven't really done a lot of exploration too far away from their existing mines because of the nature of their porphyry-type deposits. They don't have an exploration slant to to uh, the their industry like you do in mm. Australia. So the Canadians particularly have sourced these sort of US projects, but they have been very focused on the marijuana space over the last five years. And there's a massive opportunity for Australian companies to look at these US and Canadian assets. And there's a number of companies, larger companies, going into Canada and the US. And uh, Hawkstone is going in there in a smaller way rather than a, being a big producer and buying a producing mine. But we're aiming to... Uh, drill this project, take it to a maiden job resource and uh, and develop it up to be a substantial mm. uh, asset. Okay. Uh, understand it was last mined in uh, 1907 and that uh, non-jork uh, compliant resource uh, dates back to 1935. So a very long history there. Um, I was just in- intrigued about the what you think about the scale of the, of the project. Um, it comes with that uh, resource, but do you have some sort of figure in mind that ideally if, if you were to get into production at Lone Pine, you'd need, I don't know, 100,000, 200,000, 300,000 type resource, or does it have potential beyond that as well? Well, the 71,000 ounces is basically work done on the six adits that have been pushed into the mountainside, and that's a calculation based on half of the, the existing mountain that's there. And these six adits were pushed through in 1907. Number six adit is only 150 metres below the top of the mountain, and that's been pushed in 356 metres. So the old-timers back in 1907 wouldn't have been chasing uh, low-grade gold given the price at the time and the technology for mining. So they must have taken out some very high-grade material for 356 metres, and there isn't a lot of... Uh, waste around those adits. So they were basically mining into the seam. So that's how the 1935 resource, non-compliant, has been calculated by entering those adits and um, doing some sampling. We've gone through the method of calculating that. It's obviously not uh, JORG compliant Mm. uh, because it's 1935, but uh, our technical team are very confident that uh, it has been compiled with, um, you know, geological logic and Mm -hmm. we can leverage off that so we plan to uh, do five holes in q2 and understand the geology a a bit better and start to do some further drilling post that and then i will come out with an exploration target once we've had put a few holes into this project but right at this present time i've got to be careful putting a number on it but given the current gold price, 71,000 ounces is a highly profitable uh, toll treatment operation when you've uh, got uh, 18 grams per tonne. Absolutely. Are there existing operations uh, in the neighbourhood? 
There is a, a number of projects in this Idaho belt and the Bear Track mine is uh, being developed by a Canadian company and uh, they are proving up their resource. They have a number of ounces um, proven up and uh, so this is a highly mineralised belt and we would expect to uh, get a substantial uh, resource in due course after two or three drilling programs. Right. So I take it it's all um, quartz vein hosted gold? It is. It's quartz vein hosted and because it's never been subject to any modern exploration techniques and we can't find any indication of any drill holes at all into this project. So they're just purely mining the vein. So therefore you have uh, no real idea in regards to parallel veining or anything mm -hmm. like that. So the first drill program will plan to uh, do some scissor holes and some cross-cutting of that vein to find out if there's any parallel veining. Uh, so we under, we've done some soil sampling or rock chip sampling of the vein and we've traced the mineralisation over 2.6 metres and um, obviously the 1935 estimate was based on what's economic at the current gold price in 1935. Now mm. we have a much healthier gold price. So uh, very excited to drill that and see what sort of... Uh, uh, vein we do get and if there's any parallel veins. Mm. Um, obviously a lot of uh, historic mining along those very same lines here in Victoria particularly and over in WA uh, which uh, all kind of uh, came to a halt with the First World War. I'm just intrigued a bit about the 1907 finish date for the previous operation. Uh, any, yeah. any history on that? Look, there wouldn't have been a lot of infrastructure in this area. Uh, it is mountainous, so it would have been uh, difficult to, to mine. It's, uh, it's hosted in granite, so it is hard ground for 1907 technology. And uh, we have been talking to a number of contractors in uh, Western Australia, and they said this would be a very simple mining operation if we get to that stage. So uh, I suggest they just stop mining because of the, um, the difficulty with mining the material, the hardness of the material, and uh, just the transportation. 1907, long time ago. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Idaho can get a bit cold. I'm just wondering, um, is uh, weather, uh, does that mean short field seasons, or how does it work there? So we should be able to drill from May to mid-December in regards to um, having a rig on site. And uh, that works out quite well because we, we do have our lithium project down in Arizona and uh, obviously it doesn't snow in Arizona on the edge of a desert. <laughs> and uh, we, so this project would be you know, definitely a summer uh, work program. But mm -hmm. uh, as you know, you know, there's a lot of work goes into designing a drilling program and uh, that would have to be done in those, uh, those months of uh, the winter months in the US, so you know, January to uh, April. Yeah, and just as much work goes into obviously reviewing the drill results and uh, coming up with the, the next program. So, uh, well, that will be uh, exciting to watch. Um, I take it you'll be reporting on, will you be reporting results from each hole or will you batch them all up and come out with something? No, I think I'll, when we start drilling Q2, I will uh, get the core because we're doing diamond drilling. And we're only doing like 90-metre holes and uh, we'll hit the vein pretty quickly. So I'll rush those... Uh, half cores through the assay labs and get that out as soon as I can. Okay. Just to uh, like, locate it in people's minds, um, what's the nearest, biggest town people might know? 
the, the biggest town is called Salmon. It's not a large town, but there are infrastructure uh, available in that town, and it is a mining-friendly uh, country, uh, sorry, state being Idaho. So mm-hmm. um, all the infrastructure we need. Look, when operating in the US, you have a great legal system and you also have fantastic infrastructure. So these ideas of mobilising a rig, you know, 10 hours drive, etc., cetera, uh, that we're used to in, say, Western Australia and the remoteness of getting uh, diesel to the, to the rig, you don't have those issues in, in the US. In fact, being a, a person who worked 10 years in the drilling industry, the guys over there, they all want to go home at night time. Yeah. They don't. Uh, they don't expect to be camping out like our guys do in a fly-in, fly-out type operation. Mm. So uh, yeah, very small for infrastructure and um, labs in the general area, uh, excavators, etc., to build pads. So um, no problem at all. Okay, it's probably a, a good time now just to uh, revert back to Big Sandy. Uh, you've not abandoned it; it's still there in the portfolio. What's the forward uh, intention there? The Big Sandy project has a, uh, a lot of excitement because of the sheer size of the, uh, the deposit. So we came out uh, with a resource after drilling 37 100-metre holes into 4% of the land holding, and we came up with a substantial resource. It's 320,000 tonnes of LCE. Now, the LCE price has come down recently. As we all know, the lithium space is a little bit off the boil, but that's still a substantial in-ground value of mm. lithium discovered from 4% of our land holding. We, we could continue to drill that project, but I don't see that that would add a lot of value for shareholders in the short term. And what I would like to do with that project is to start to talk to some of the majors and when they get their checkbooks out as the lithium market starts to improve, possibly joint venture with one of the, the majors. The lithium sedimentary space is an interesting space because you don't have any production from that area at the moment. You've got the the hard rock miners that we're used to in in Australia being the spodumene producers and moving that material mainly to China for further production, and you've got the brine producers in South America. In the middle middle of the cost curve and potentially uh, production rates sits the sedimentary uh, projects, and we... A lot of people know about the the Bacanora project down in Mexico and uh, also Lithium Americas has a large project in northern Nevada called Thacker Pass and that is the project that looks very similar to the Big Sandy project and that has a a PFS on it and they're looking to complete a DFS in this shorter period. So for Hawkstone shareholders, the big plus with the Big Sandy project is as these other sedimentary projects start to go into production and prove the the model, the value of our project will go up substantially and we'll get a lot more interest from other industry players in regards to taking this project into production. Mm. We know we have a big resource and we just need to prove the processing route. The processing route is sulfuric acid leach inside vats, no escaping to the atmosphere or the environment, and that is something that is uh, constantly done in Arizona for the copper production. They use a lot of sulfuric acid in Arizona, so it's not uh, any real issue for licensing. We just need to build a pilot plant and show that uh, we can produce large amounts of uh, LCE on a per annum basis. And 
These sort of projects produce about 30,000, 20 to 30,000 tonnes per year of LCE. So as the market starts to grow with the EV revolution Mm -hmm. and the supply crunch comes in in about 12 months, as all the industry experts are predicting, we'll be in a very good position to uh, develop our project. Mm. Now, these sedimentary um, deposits or clay deposits, um, very low grade compared to with what the average investor here would be uh, used to, say, from the hard rock boys over in WA. But I was just wondering if you could talk through some of the the benefits in terms of, uh, well, the actual mining of them and then the processing route because I understand you go straight through to a lithium carbonate rather than a a spodumene product. Is that right? That's right. So... If you look at the, the mineralisation, it's very consistent. It uh, it's, comes in at about 8 to 10 metres below surface, so you've got some transported sort of colluvium before that, which you would move out of the way, a bit like a mineral sands mining operation, and then you're straight into the, uh, the lithium sedimentary material. And that material is fairly consistent for the next... Uh, 70 metres of material. So if you try to visualise a mining operation, it's pretty much a quarrying operation where you're just mining the material on a free dig basis because it's all been broken up by Mother Nature and it would just be uh, digging up the material. It would come out in a wet solution and you'd be putting it inside the vats and pouring sulfuric acid onto that material. Now, we do know that from our limited testing that we've done, that 93% of the lithium is extracted after two hours. That's a very short residence period and something that would um, be very cost effective when we start to do the the PFS. So if you compare it to spodumene type uh, producers of, of lithium, they are crushing the material, obviously drill and blasting, crushing, and, um, and then putting it through a... Uh, a, a deep meat, what are they? They're doing different types of operations, but they come back to a 6% spodumene and then send it to China. We are purely just a quarrying operation, putting it into the sulfuric uh, acid fat leaching tanks and then producing a pregnant solution, which would be precipitated off and then producing a lithium carbonate or then to a lithium hydroxide. Mm-hmm. Which, with the uh, lithium carbonate selling at a multiple, of course, of uh, what you'd uh, receive for a spodumene uh, product or 6% yes. product. So, yeah. That's right. So these type of projects do have a large capital expenditure requirement, but we would look to ring fence some of that capital expenditure and involve other industry players. Now, that the US doesn't produce a lot of lithium and uh, it's... Uh, it's produced in Nevada from the Silver Peak Mine, which is a brine operation owned by Albemarle, and it's very small. So the US understand that they can they cannot be uh, subject to the Chinese controlling the supply chain for lithium in the future as the EV revolution really takes hold. And um, I was over in the US in October and November meeting with congressmen, senators' offices, etc., in Arizona. And they are extremely positive towards this project and uh, basically just rolled out the red carpet in regards to the development of the project. 
Yeah, they've, uh, both them and Australia, of course, got very serious about the strategic nature of the, the battery metals uh, to the point where uh, I know of, <coughs> excuse me, a uh, African project where they've actually had to get uh, uh, FIRB approval to uh, uh, let them introduce a Chinese partner into the project. And you would think, well, it's in Africa, what's it got to do with Australia? But Australia seems to be part of this uh, broader alliance with the US and European governments about securing the uh, strategic metals going forward. Well, Barry, you're about the same vintage as me, and in our lifetime, the control of oil has been a very significant uh, matter for countries like the US and Australia and the developed Western world. So as the EV revolution really takes hold, then the market for lithium is going to become very similar to the control of the oil market. And countries, developing countries, just can't afford to not have their finger on some control of the, uh, the lithium supply chain. And you, you can see that occurring in Europe where they may source some of their lithium from West Africa, but they'll also have production out of Europe. And those projects uh, may not be the best projects in the world, but they, the Europeans will want to have some internal production. Then you look at uh, Australia, we have a lot of production and we have the highest grade lithium mine in the world in Western Australia. The US doesn't have a lot of production, but there are about six projects that are advancing. And uh, I'm sure that uh, as the EV revolution takes hold, those projects will go into production because the lithium price will recover and uh, you'll find a lot of people out of New York backing those sort of deals. Mm. And finally, uh, a tough one for you. If you had to pick one of two in the next 12 months, is it going to be a high-grade hit at Lone Pine or is it going to be the turning of the lithium market that will get the Hawkstone market moving? I attended the uh, Benchmark conference in uh, LA in November and Benchmark really had their uh, finger on the pulse in regards to the lithium market and other markets as well for battery commodities. And I think the lithium market will start to turn in about six to 12 months. So mm -hmm. for Hawkstone shareholders, I see the real plus and the increase in market capitalisation, shareholder wealth, etc., coming from some high-grade hits from the Lone Pine project. We do have patented mining claims there in Idaho, and that means we can continue to drill the project. We're not required to get government uh, approval to put every hole in and, 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 and demonstrate what depth that's going to be. So we have a lot of flexibility with that project. So we could continue to drill all the way into, into mid-December on that project. And uh, the gold price is looking very good at the moment. And uh, so we're multi-commodity uh, focused company, and uh, but we're definitely not forgetting about our big sandy project because we have a, a discovery from only 4% of the land hold. Mm. Okay then, so we've got an interesting mix there now of lithium and gold. So all the best with it and thanks for your time today. Thanks Barry, pleasure. Cheers.